0: From our changing bodies, to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and ageing at work and in society, my mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, and today we're going to be talking about something that is really beginning to emerge in our field of health and in the world of menopause, and that's digital health. And I'm very excited to have with me today, Erica Pare. She is someone who I know who's very passionate about tech and health and has founded a company called Lyria Digital Health. So welcome to the show, Erica.
1: Thank you for having me, Clarissa. I'm really excited to be on your show.
0: I'm excited. We've talked a little before, but for the poor my listeners, tell them a little bit about how you went from being a pharmacist to being much more of a coach and a digital health tech person.
1: <laughs> well, it is a bit of a journey, so I've been working as a pharmacist for sixteen years now, and my previous role, which was in commission and support um I was in that role for four years. And it was really diverse. I had different multiple things that I did. But one of the aspects was analyzing data. And data by itself is nothing, but we need to have a narrative. We need you have to tell a story as to the reasons why you get certain results. And I was managing a project called CROP, which is a campaign to reduce opiate prescribing. So the locality which I look after, there was quite high opiate use. And you saw patterns in certain localities and... What was quite clear was it was clearly associated with uh, mental health, and um, social determinants of health, like you know low income households and so forth. So we had to we had a narrative there, and so to try and pick out okay, how can we support um, these communities to be able to reduce opiate use because we know opiate use long term leads to harm. And so we had to then work closely with the city Council to be able to create bespoke support services to enable um, clinicians to support their consultations with patients to subsequently reduce the dosage of, of opiates, which is a long, long haul. But eventually, to succeed. Now, what sparked is what, what sparked was my my interest and passion for how. Um, one thing it was clear was that tech has the ability to be able to transform care, to be able to design and redesign services. So I was looking for ways. How can I make this more my you know my passion to be more a full time thing? Um, so I, I'm mean, at the moment I live in in Hull in East Yorkshire. Um, but within our, our area, Leeds is the digital hub of the north, and a lot of actions, you know, with, with digital health and, and so forth, seems to happen in Leeds. So I was looking for ways to be able to transition into that sector. So I was attending events and so forth, and there's this organization called Impair with Tech, and they were very keen to be able to, you know, get people that really didn't grow up within the, in the tech sector to, to start innovating, start, you know, using the passion to be able to start projects, and also getting roles that weren't traditionally designed for techies. And I'm not a technical person. I come from a healthcare background. So that's how my journey uh, really began, and I started networking like crazy, speaking to people that were in innovation and design, in co-design, user design, and so forth. And that made me really understand the breadth of the tech landscape and also for me to know whereabouts I wanted to fit, where I wanted to be able to use my experience.
0: Exactly and I know that your passion is menopause, how did that come about Erica that menopause became a focus because that, that's an interesting area, it's not normally where we go first with digital health.
1: Yes, yeah, so my mum, she had a hysterectomy um, in her late 40s and that had introduced menopause and she suffered with horrendous symptoms. And the main symptoms which I knew associated with menopause was the the facial flushing, um, hot flushes which she which she had. But then years down the line, when I started looking into this a bit deeper and holding focus groups, just said a bit more about women's experiences, it was clearly apparent that the other symptoms which my mum was also suffering with was a little bit of mental health and the lack of sleep and integrity and so forth was also associated with menopause, and I had no idea, and as a healthcare professional, I thought, how could I have miss this? I missed an opportunity to really be to support my mom. My mom didn't know much about the plethoraal symptoms associated with menopause, so I thought I really want to change this narrative, and one thing I also understood was that um in certain communities, mainly from the black and ethnic minorities, that there really is um, a barrier to access healthcare services and get support to manage their symptoms. It's really sad. Um, so, this is something that I really wanted to change.
0: And I can right. understand that, Eric, because I mean, if you think about it, m- most women have a sort of a vague idea, but you know, 70% of women aren't getting any help and are not reaching out or they're being rebuffed. And, and it is much higher in ethnic communities where maybe there are. There is more stigma, more difficulty about talking about our health, and we're not met with the same consideration.
1: Mm, indeed, indeed, there are also cultural barriers as well, in the sense that you just bring them bear, bear it, and rather you know, struggle on, and and not you know find ways to to manage your symptoms. My mum never took any form of um, you know, tablets, HRT, and so forth to symptoms. She did look for supplements, but the information at the time was very difficult to be able to find. Um, so that was a barrier for practice and care and
0: health. Which I still think it is to a certain extent. I know there's lots of websites, but you still have to navigate them and know which ones are reputable and not reputable. And then sometimes don't you get to places like the National Menopause or British menopause, and I mean it's factually correct, but it's very dry and rather sort of—I um, don't know—it's—it's it's just logical points, and there's no sense that there's much connection for people. Mm-hmm.
1: Indeed, it is true. Um, I think a lot of things that women tend to speak about in terms of the skin and hair changes and the sexual health and changes, which also happen through menopause, again, women are less likely to speak about this and seek help. They so just suffer in silence. And as you said, there's a of information on the web but being able to navigate and you know put the dots together and see if this content relevant to me and what i'm going through that's the challenge in itself
0: it is because every woman has a unique journey which is has so many different moving parts it's not like we can ask our friends and we don't tend to talk to our friends anyway or somebody down the road i mean their menopause look can look very different to ours and we can have a lot of similarities but we're we're genetically different aren't we so that's that's one of the components so it's it needs a more individualized approach doesn't
1: it? it it certainly does nothing also one aspect was I, I gave a talk a couple of months ago now for a PowerPoint presentation i was looking for images to represent menopause and the images that google put up was was shocking uh, you know women you know, tired you know, depressed and, and dull and so forth which again that the narrative around menopause again needs to be changed there's a lot of work that will need to be done around it but that's a stigma associated that you know menopause is old age and we know that women you know in the early 30s are experiencing menopause so women actually get into menopause a lot earlier than than, than before
0: yeah and i think you brought a really big point up there that the way it's put forward, and the way even that so many people in the medical profession see it is, is something to do with women who are over fifty. but the reality, and I'm sure you will have seen this in your own groups is that it is a vast amount of women who are in their early forties who are, are going into this phase of life, and they get met with you know this is anxiety or this is too much stress or a whole host of different things that has got absolutely nothing to do with. With with them being seen as being a menopause,
1: indeed, and and that's the thing when you are as a woman you go to, to your doctor to to get some, some support, and if the doctor isn't, I guess, trained to spot certain symptoms or just question, even question, could this one be premature menopause? That alone would start some sort of support to, to the woman completely, just you know, negate and say no, you know, you're too young or it doesn't fit the criteria. A lot of women are being missed, and, and it's really sad.
0: It is sad. How do you feel um, digital health can help women, maybe better than they are doing now with Dr. Google and, and people's websites?
1: Yeah, so one, um, digital health is an exciting space, especially to say it's a tech now, they say menopause tech, because there's a real opportunity there. A lot of women want empower- to be empowered to look after their health, and one thing digital health, enables us that brings all the information whether through artificial intelligence based on data now depending on your views on the data data can either be biased or you know depending on where the source is or depending on what information is being served up you know locally so one one um exciting um digital help tool which i found to be quite interesting was called the grace watch not sure if you, you've come across it is it it's, no. it's, yeah yeah so it's supposed to help women um, help manage their facial hot flushes. So it has sensors. It's all like a watch almost. And it has these kind of thermal sensors. And the moment it, it senses you're becoming to have a hot flush, it then sends a oh, cooling sensations to be able to cool you down. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yes. It's not yet on the market, but there's a lot of talk about it um, on that aspect. You also have apps that's have curated content to be able for you to track your symptoms. But a lot of, a lot of the, um, issues with menopause is that, um, there's, there's over 30 symptoms there and it's not specific unless you take a detailed history and know, for example, your age and your health as a whole. So these apps, with the likes of Caria, there's a balance app, which helps you to track your symptoms and know whereabouts you are on your menopause journey. And through that, you can get some coaching support in terms of your mental health and well-being. So that's that's one thing, an um, area which has a lot, whole lot of potential because it enables the woman to be aware of her symptoms and how to manage it.
0: That's fantastic, isn't it?
1: Indeed, indeed.
0: And are these readily are these sort of apps readily available for people? Can they download them, or do they need to go to some specific sites?
1: Yes, so you can get them from the app store, depending on your device. Some of them are Android and, and iOS enabled. Um and they also have, some of these apps have web hosting platforms as well that you can go on to. But again, it, it has to be an awareness that these um platforms are out there for women to be able to use. So I only found this out by just doing some research and seeing what was out there. And, and there still are some up and coming um apps to, to again help women to, to, to manage their symptoms. But I think it's just about knowing what is out there and is it relevant to what I'm going through? Because we know that it has a huge impact on a woman's life. You know, eighty four percent is deemed that eighty four percent of women that are in menopause it actually impacts the 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 health and well being significantly.
0: Yes, definitely. I mean, do you um, think that some of these apps can be expanded? A lot of them sound like they just they track symptoms. Um, how do they, how do they work? Do you just literally em, um, enter information or, or do they actually, like the, the grey one you mentioned, uh, actually track aspects that are non verbally recorded
1: Yes. Uh, yes. A lot of these apps, um, that's what sort I of think is the hindrance. There's a lot of um, input in your symptoms and how you're feeling. What um whereabouts you are in terms of your perimenopause or when your last period or, period was. So it's a lot of tracking, a lot of input and data. And then it forms some sort of a chart for you. And it gives you suggest content which you may be interested in. So, for example, it may say, okay, um, I'm not experiencing much um, quality, of quality of sleep. It will then give you um, certain exercises, a meditation exercises or yoga exercises for you to be able to. Be more calmer and to, to help you to induce more restful, peaceful sleep. So that's how much of these apps work. Some of them also are geared towards coaching as well. Um, a lot of women complain about not being taken seriously when they go to the GP. So it's almost that kind of community support that helps, which has also been quite um, significant. And some of the customer feedback from reading through the reviews of these apps that they really do value the community support whereby women can speak about their symptoms and what has actually helped for them, what products they use, what services that, you know, what menopause experts they've been able to to get in contact with to help in terms of either prescribing HRT or the non-HRT route.
0: That's excellent, isn't it? I mean, I think that's, I love that aspect of having a community alongside Uh, just tracking symptoms, because it makes it more of a total support system than, um, say, having just the tracking or being on a Facebook group where you're just talking and hoping that people answer.
1: Indeed. And one thing that I found to be really empowering was that um, holding some of these focus groups after these focus groups, the women just said how good they felt being able to get it off their chest and speak with other women that were going through similar journey just sharing stories even that is empowering and even that is therapeutic in some way being able to talk to somebody about you know what you're going through
0: exactly i think that that is is one of the big things isn't it that women don't have anybody to talk to and so these communities are, i presume through an app would be global as well so they're they're bigger than just something that's run in your local area or your country
1: indeed indeed um, as I say a problem shared is a problem halved um, <laughs> it, it really is it's it's it's. I think it's one area which it needs a lot of work that it's you know menopause is, is still seen to taboo and, and seem to be a suffering silence but there really is power and be able to share your story and get that support from other women that go you know through similar journeys as you
0: exactly Do you see um, a particular path that these sort of apps might develop into or tech might develop into um, that could aid women further? Like, for example, I don't know, my first thought was maybe that there's less um, reliance on verbal data, or do you think that that's the path it's going to go down?
1: I think a lot of the support um, depends on, you know, inputting your symptoms and tracking, you know, managing, tracking your symptoms most importantly, but... Other areas where there's potential in terms of, um, clothing. So there's some tech companies that are looking in terms of, um, looking to design, um, materials that cool, cool you whilst you're sleeping. So you know, again, when you have the night sweats and, 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 hot flushes, the, I was reading about this, um, article about the, the clothing would be able to absorb the sweat, um, and then somehow release the cool the cool type of um cool cool air so it cools you down and i don't know there's a tech behind it but it just sounded fascinating that wow there's actually devices out there you know in, in the fabric to be able to do that but one area as well is mental health mental health and well-being because um, a lot of women again speak about the, the mental effects that it has in terms of anxiety, the panic attacks, lack of self-confidence and self-esteem. So there are the apps are moving more towards the the coaching and the mental health support. That's where I found that's the next, I guess, rung on the ladder. So there's more areas to be explored in terms of mental health, well-being, and looking at other practices in terms of meditation and yoga to manage those symptoms.
0: Oh, that's excellent. And I wonder because, I mean, obviously mental health apps are quite popular in the general population in terms of things like Calm or Headspace, but they are very um for everybody, one size fits all. And I like the idea that this could move much more down a route where it's for menopausal women with specific symptoms, like you mentioned, anxiety, panic attacks, Brain fog and rest.
1: Yes, and self confidence. As you, as you rightly said, a lot of these mental health apps are quite general, and again, a lot of them are catered towards the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but within you know mer- per- perimenopause and menopause, um, the the situations are slightly different. And again, there was a webinar I attended a couple of weeks ago, and um, some of the issues which come up is that the lack of identity and, and social isolation, which isn't something that the whole you know, population would, would identify with, but women go through menopause. is something that's really key to them. So it's important for having content that is curated and, and specific for where you are in your journey because not all content will be relevant to everybody.
0: No, that's absolutely true, and I like that. I suppose with AI, it could learn... Um, by what you input to feed you back, uh, relevant information.
1: Indeed. Indeed. And this is where all the personalized care. So there's a new, um, company called, I think, Vira Health, and they're really looking into personalized content for you to you able to manage your menopause journey better. But again, it depends on a lot of data, a be- lot of data driven software. So they need more women to be able to take part in these studies. Um, because again we know that data there's a huge data um, inequality especially when it comes to women and research and women's health that's a huge barrier but we need women to take part so we can you know (laughs) it's true for for us
0: that's very very true and and you actually hit upon a really important point there actually erica because it's correct isn't it that an awful lot of data that's being used to track and monitor and support women's health does actually come from male-based studies
1: Indeed, um, and I'm not sure, I'm sure you've heard of the book Invisible um, Woman, which was written by, I think, Caroline Crowder-Perez, and she has all these different stories, um, kind of uncovers in the pharmaceutical world, you know, with studies, it's mainly been, been done on, on male participants, while some of the witnesses are prescribed for women.
0: Which means that, you know, we're, we're operating on half, half sort of information that's only correct because we're all human
1: exactly and uh, they think it, it's okay to do because you know women's women's anatomy is so complex with you know our hormones and so forth which really shouldn't which shouldn't be the case you know we also deserve to, to have to, to know how certain medicines interact with our physiological systems and and so forth and how can we then have confidence in certain services and certain medicines to ensure that they're not being tested on us
0: no, of course not, and that and that's quite terrifying if we think about it, because particularly in menopause, when we're in shift, a lot of our hormones during this perimenopause phase are really shifting around, aren't they? So we are, we need very accurate information if we're going to have correct diagnosis and medication.
1: Indeed, and um, one thing as well is. Um... Some months ago, there was a lot of shortages of HRT. Also, the current situation. didn't help with transportation and delivery of medicines. And I saw locum once a month at my local community pharmacy. And what was quite disheartening was the amount of women desperately looking for um, alternatives for for the, the HRT and just being told that, so we can't get hold of this or there are supply issues. What do these women do? And this is where it comes to the forefront, whereby knowing how to manage your symptoms, of course you may use HRT or non-HRT methods, but knowing other avenues in terms of your diet, exercise, sleep, all these also you know, influence how your hormones are regulated. So I think it's that awareness that is that holistic approach. By all means, depending on whatever route you take to manage your symptoms is great. We need to know other factors as well that play into managing your overall hormonal health.
0: Ah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that, well, the situation was very difficult. I understood that from lots of the Facebook pages that I'm on. Suddenly there's no HRT. What do I do? And, of course, suddenly our symptoms that we thought were gone are re-emerging. But also that women aren't given a holistic approach. If they're lucky, they arrive at a Facebook page or they find a coach. But sometimes they're just left floundering.
1: Indeed, and that's what's really sad. But because I think again, when you look at women's health, it's it's a lot of focus in terms of not getting pregnant, and you know, okay, you can have the maternity health, and then after you've had the baby, but nothing in terms of the whole from beginning to end that you know you will, you know, menopause will come. So how do you prepare yourself mentally, you know, physically, emotionally for that stage in your life?
0: Absolutely. And, and uh, I don't know where you're not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah, I Come <commit>. in. <laughs> no, but, but for yourself as well, I mean, what steps are you taking to prepare yourself?
1: So, um, because my, my, um, my start was in this area. So I've been doing tons of regions, but I think more on the other side, it really. Making sure that my nutrition, so I normally eat quite well anyway, but exercise, because you know, women don't really exercise uh, much at all. And ensuring that I have my supplements, so magnesium and vitamin D, again, because osteoporosis risk is four times more higher than in women than in men. And that's, you know, quite a high statistic. So ensuring that I'm I'm looking after myself, investing in my health bank. I spoke to a specialist that women are living longer. So it's not just about starting, you know, one or two years beforehand, but reinvesting really your health because you know, where whatever point you are, your thirties, or forties, or fifties, you know, that investment in your in your thirties, your forty-year-old body will thank you for that, and so forth. So the way I'm preparing myself is just ensuring that I manage my stress levels. If I have two young boys, that's quite challenging, but. Um, but just about the controllable. So there's a lot of that I can control. But what I can control is you know my nutrition, my diet, my exercise, and also my mental health and well-being. That's also quite key. And and being resilient and trying to see how I can manage it better. Because there are some things that happen outside my control. And just being kind to myself and taking time taking time out to to pamper myself to relax and just not all go 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 all the time. Women we're naturally caregivers. So it's always by looking after, after other people rather than ourselves. Invest in your in self-care. That's one area which I'm paying more attention now than I've, I've ever done.
0: Well, that's wonderful. And yes, very necessary because we are always the person who's doing everything. And I think in particularly during these times that we're living in, it feels like a lot of women are struggling even more than normal.
1: Indeed. I mean, for example, based in the UK, and you know, it's a lockdown. Schools are closed, so if you're working from home, you're working from home. You're home in school. You also have, you know, the home cooking and so forth. So you're spinning a lot of plates, and if you're not careful, you're mostly of the last person to take care of yourself because you've got other people you're taking care of, and that's what tends to happen most of the time.
0: That's very true. What do you see as the future of your own business, Lyria Digital Health? What ideas and thoughts of how that's going to advance do you have?
1: I think the main key is really raising social awareness amongst the younger generation. And what I mean by that? That from speaking with women, you know, in the early 30s, they, they have no awareness whatsoever when it comes to menopause. Like, oh, really? That, that, that many symptoms? Yes, there are. So one of my, my missions is to raise awareness. But in terms of the tech, I really want to be able to ensure that women are able to access healthcare centers and information to be able to know how to better manage their health that sense of empowerment and knowledge because it's a knowledge is power a lot of women don't know when they're in perimenopause or menopause they just don't know because they're not aware of it so really starting to make women aware that this is this what will happen you may not have all these symptoms but just to be aware that if something that doesn't that happens that's not normal for you that you, you start asking questions could it be that i am approaching that you know that us up, reach out to other women that you know you think can support you because you're not never alone. Um, so that's that's my plan to be able to bring women together, foster community where we can support each other, and provide content that is personalised to each individual because every woman goes through menopause differently. It's it's no um, small feat because we do need women to actively participate in making this work. So this is this is this is the task which I have, and um, I'm really looking forward to the challenge, so to speak.
0: It's a wonderful challenge. And you mentioned data that we want to be collecting more data. How can women or the people that are listening to this podcast get involved and help to create more data so that the apps become better, more effective?
1: I think by looking for reputable community. So one of the things that I've been looking to do is just to build a platform and just to be able to engage with women to find out what it is they want. Because the whole part of tech is the user experience. You want to get the input from women as to what you want to see, not just build something and expect women to use it. It has to be that co-design process. So it's almost make, test, learn. You make something really basic and just test that and see if it's something that you would use and this is just pull out data. Just, you know how they're interacting with the platform. What information is coming up, and then use it to iterate. So it's about looking, for, reach out to communities and seeing how can I support these startups with iterating. You know the, their journey roadmap because every startup will have a roadmap, That's still with a big vision. But they have to start from like step one and then step two. So just trying to find repertoire communities that you can support.
0: Yes, and where would they find those? Facebook? or Facebook, Instagram,
1: um, LinkedIn as well. Um, those are quite good you know, social media platforms um, to, to find what's going on.
0: I think that's great, and I think you're right. The more data and the more of us that can participate to help grow the app so that it tailors for women that it's collecting and it, it's tailored for us. It's not designed by what we or the GP or somebody else thinks is great, but actually designed for us to use.
1: Indeed. And uh, I want to tell this, this story. So it was actually a friend of a friend. So she's Chinese and she's 47. So she's based in the UK and um, her period stopped um for a couple of months. And she had no idea. She thought she would have been pregnant because she was quite stressed. And she did a pregnancy test and she read it incorrectly. And she was terrified, thinking, oh, my goodness, I could be pregnant. It's a long story short, she wasn't pregnant. And she had in their mind that um you, you don't get into menopause until, you know, mid-50s. And that lack of awareness, she had no idea that she was obviously in the hospital. So that's the that's the key. It really raise an awareness that no matter what your age are, I mean, she's 47. It doesn't matter whereby, you know, your 50s or your 30s, it could happen at any time. But knowing that, you know, if you've had, you know, stopped periods for a couple of months, that it, could it be another reason why your periods could be irregular. So that that story I told you is just a clear example of that, the lack of awareness of of not knowing of, of of menopause.
0: Exactly and I think sometimes you know when we work in this field we forget we sometimes just forget how how many women are you're not connected in with the information you don't know where to start and and what you're doing Erica, is really important raising this conversation and helping women so that they can track and monitor and have conversations. It's wonderful.
1: Oh indeed. And it's it's it fills me with so much pleasure to be able to make that impact because it's sad when you hear women, you know, frustrated going to the GP and just not being believed or it's almost a fickle of the imagination. And it's not all GPs, of course there's some wonderful doctors out there that are giving amazing consultations to their patients. But you do hear a lot of personal encounters of of not positive experiences when women do try to to take active steps to seek help, and it's not really ending in favourable outcomes.
0: No, but if we track our symptoms and as women, and we have conversations, we should be in a position, shouldn't we, to have better conversations with our healthcare providers too?
1: Indeed, indeed, and that's all part of the patient empowerment. So start, as you say, tracking your symptoms, and so that when you go, you also have questions before you'd want to ask the clinician. Then, then the, the, the consultation is more structured. So you go there already pre-planned. I want to find out this, this, and this, and at least then the consultation kind of a bit more favorable rather than um, <clears throat> assume a doctor will know. You know what symptoms could be associated with.
0: Exactly. I love that patient empowerment. I think that's the uh, little phrase. for Definitely this this podcast episode. Love it. Eric, I want to thank you so much for coming on Thriving Through Menopause, sharing your passion, giving us a little eye's view into this new emerging area of health.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be in your podcast. Thank you, Clarissa.
0: Let me I just say quickly, where can listeners connect with you and find out more about the work that you're doing?
1: Yes, so you'll find me on um, LinkedIn um, under Erica Perry. And um, that's where you're finding mainly and also on Twitter um, under the handle Erica E. O'Perry.
0: That's wonderful. We will put that in the show notes.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions why do I feel this way thriving through menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom you matter to me your feedback opinions and stories matter to me and I would love to hear from you so drop me an email clarissa at Christensen.com. I genuinely want your feedback in your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast. And if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support, pop over to my website, clarissachristiansen.com. You can find free resources and you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening.